Hello, everybody. Welcome to another another episode of Everyday Strong with Dr. Michael G. Daniels. This is your host, C.B. Baker. Um, we had one topic, everybody, that we was going to talk about, but national news um, took took over Fort Worth, Texas. A young lady playing with her nephew gets shot through a window by a police officer and killed. And it's now becoming like almost normal. Yeah. And it's, and that's the real sad part about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dr. Daniels, you had came to me, um, text me earlier today about, did you hear what the police chief said? And I, I didn't hear it until you just recently just told me. And, and I'm sitting there like, really? <clears throat> and now before we get into it, it's this, it's really a shame that in 2019, about to be 2020, mm-hmm. I didn't live through the 60s. Mm-hmm. But I'm starting to feel like it's the 60s. But mm-hmm. I did live through the early 90s when it got kind of rough. Mm-hmm. You know, so when we can talk about that, why is everything seem like it's coming in waves or in and is the waves making it better? You know, but but Dr. Daniels, let me hear your perspective yeah. of why the law enforcement and the people who enforce the law, the you know, the district mm-hmm. attorneys and things like that, feel the way they feel about certain situations like this when someone innocent is shot by the police. Well, you know, let me let me just preface my statement with this. Uh, you know, because we originally were going to talk about, you know, black America and where we are, those kind of things. And I think this kind of ties into that a little bit. And I'll tell you why. Uh, because they're really in, in, it seems to be for some people, there are two black Americas. Mm. And, and that's what's sad. There are two black Americas. There's a black America that the media has portrayed and that, you know, um, that um, movies and, and sitcoms portray. And then there's the real black America that we live in. And I'm saying that because uh, a part of that goes into the psyche of police officers and, and their training and all this kind of thing. I am so sick and tired of hearing policemen say to me that we need to understand their peril, that we need to understand what they go through, the fears that they have getting on the job. If you are afraid of your job, leave. Right. If, if, if every time you put on your uniform, it strikes fear in your heart, then you're in the wrong profession. Right. It, right. It's just that simple. Uh, you know, I was a, I, when I was in college, I was a correctional officer. OK. Now, I'll admit when I first went there, I'm, I was 20 years old. When I first went there, I'm in there with people who have been convicted of their crimes. <coughs> a correctional officer carries no weapon. OK. The ratio is approximately about one to 70 as far mm-hmm. as correctional officers to, to uh, inmates. Originally, I had fear until I went right. through the training. Right. Once I went through the training, I lost my fear, but I gained my respect. <coughs> and so I had a healthy respect for my job, for the, those who I was put in there to provide security, safety for. And so it changed the whole dynamic. Mm-hmm. Now, I say that to say this, is that um, oftentimes, like I say, when I go to these <clears throat> meetings with um, people in law enforcement, uh, I've met with um, district attorneys, I've met with judges, I hear the same dynamic, that we need to understand what they go through, 
mm-hmm. understand the officers, understand their fears. Every time a black person gets shot, here is what you get. I feared for my life. Right. That's the standard, right? Right, right. I feared for my life, and that means it's okay to shoot the black person. The question is, why do you always fear for your life when it's a black man? Right. Or a black female? What, what makes us so fearful to you right. when we have done nothing to you? Right. Now, I'm watching television yesterday, and I don't want to monopolize all of our time. Mm-hmm. I'm watching television yesterday, and I'm watching the police channel, and they go to a rural area to address a problem, and there's a white person that owns the property. Now, uh, this is on TV, on the police, you know, on, on you know, the uh, right, bad, bad boys, boys right, 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 kind of thing. Um, this gentleman comes out of his house with a gun and says to the police, get off my property. You have no right to be here. Right. Okay. Put the, they say, put the gun down. He says, I have a right to, to carry my gun. I live in America. I, um, the, 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 the amendment to the Constitution allows me to carry a gun. Get off my property. Right. You know what they did? Left. They left. <laughs> they yeah. left. Okay. And let that be me or you doing that. The black man wouldn't have had to have had a gun. He could have reached for a cell phone and he would have got shot. Right. See, but they didn't say they feared the white man. Okay, they just left and backed off the property and talked to him from the street. And he said, you don't have a warrant. Don't come on my property again. Right. And they left. Okay, I'm infuriated. I really am by the way we are treated in this country. I'm infuriated that white people always say they fear us. Well, it it isn't us that do all the killing. Right. They do more killing than we will ever do. Right. They take more land from other folk. They have a history of taking things from people because they believe they have a right to do so. So, uh, uh, you know, again, when we talk about the police chief, you know, I understand the police chief's um, dilemma, but I was appalled at how he reacted to the situation. Okay, mm-hmm. now here's why I say that. I am pleased that they, they arrested that officer for murder. I'm pleased at the speed at which they did it. But here's what that police chief said. And I, he doesn't even understand that what he said right. is, 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 and how he said it, um, why some of us may be a little upset with him. He said that his police force now was demoralized because of one bad officer. He said that they were going through a sense of depression within their police community and that they were trying to support one another. He said that um, he equated it to a group of ants that are working hard to build an anthill. He said, we've worked hard to build, rebuild the relationship with our communities. He said, and this is like those ants building an anthill and someone takes a water hose and destroys all the progress that they have made. And then he got choked up and began to cry and said, I'm not taking any more questions and I'm walking, you know, he walked off. And I thought to myself, you're choked up and crying because your police officers feel like they've lost a relationship. But you didn't cry right. when you said the woman was shot. To right. me, the thing that should have brought tears to your eyes was the fact that this innocent woman who was in her own home was shot right. and killed. And what they tried to do initially was make her out to be a bad person. Because the first thing they said was, we found a gun in her room. Right. <laughs> Where well, she's allowed to have. Well, not only that, let's be for real. What state is this in? Texas. 
Everybody got a gun. Everybody in Texas. got a gun in Texas. Right. Everybody. You know, so to say that she has a gun in where she is legal to have a gun, right? right. It was it's like it's like they want to always make it out to be that we are justified. She was a bad person. But you didn't know she had a gun till you went on the inside. So you can't say she had a gun, that's why you shot. Right. Because the, the, it went like this. Put your hands up, pow. Right. Right? You didn't know she had a gun. So, but I'm just saying that that infuriates me. And I I I, I gotta tell you, um, I'm just so sick and tired of hearing it. I don't know what to do. Yeah, it, it is it's it's gotten really bad. And part of it is I like to somewhat equate things to if you focus on things on what not to do so much that you accidentally end up doing it. And and not to say it's on the same level, but it's the same type of concept. When I was a kid, we had this we had a deal in elementary school where you had to turn your homework in every every day. If you mm-hmm. turn it in, you got to have this massive free day. It was like field day, but it was for right. everybody to turn their homework in. The last day I forgot to turn my homework in. I had to go to detention. Mm-hmm. But I had spent the entire year focused on not not turning in my homework. Sure. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, I, I've never sat in the police meeting, sure. and I'm wondering if them telling people, like, make sure you don't shoot anybody. Make, and then, like, all of a sudden you're doing it. Like, why are there literally countless videos mm-hmm. of Black people or people of color being pulled over, stopped, and a gun is drawn. Like, literally, why are you doing this? I don't, I, why is it automatically the gun is already out? It's, for me, it seems like, Pastor Dane, that the root, <laughs> number one problem is this. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to lose a lot of people with this one. They should not, the police should not have guns. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't in England. Right. <laughs> okay, so I believe that if you limit the number of guns that's on police officers, a lot of this would subside. Mm-hmm. So, and I know when me making that statement, people who have police officers are in family will d- definitely disagree with me on that. And I understand why. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, you go to a concert, right? Mm-hmm. And the event staff is there to tell you, you know, get back in your seat. Does he have a gun? No. No. But now what if you was to get an argument with the person that was an event staff and say he's off duty the police officer and still don't have a gun, but he now has a gun, what's liable to happen? You're going to get killed. <laughs> but, and and, and I, I say this too. I, I, I don't disagree with you. I mean, I understand, you know, the police say they, they want a gun because everyone else has guns. Right. So you, you kind of have to take guns away if you want to, you know, from everybody, if you want the police not to have a gun. Uh, but I, 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 here's, the, here's the thing I look at, too. The responsibility of your actions should rest with you. Like you say, well, well, why is it that they always want, they, they always feel like shooting black folk? You know, are they told not to shoot black folk? I don't think so. See, I don't think I don't think any training says don't shoot a black person. Right. As a matter of fact, I think training helps them to think that a black person should be shot. Mm. 
Now, I'm going to tell you why I say that. Because the media, the entertainment industry, and I don't mean just the rappers, because the rappers don't, are not responsible for this. I mean television and movies have demonized uh, black, black folk, mm-hmm. okay? They've demonized black folk. The training demonizes black folk. And I'll tell you why, because I have been in a training session. One of the training sessions, for example, uh, dealt with bi- police biases. Now, the trainer of the session, there were two trainers. One was an ex-police chief who happened to be black. One was a white female who was a social, so, social psychologist. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, here's what she said. Statistics show that more crime is committed by blacks. And I said, that's not true. Wow. And she said, yes, it is true. I said, that's not true. She said, Mr. Daniels, unfortunately, you don't know all the facts. I said, yes, I do. But you are the one that's in error in your ways. I said, I said to her, have you ever heard people say this, force the figures to confess? She said, no. I said, because you don't know all the facts. Right. I said, because I was, I was a finance major. See, I get it. When people hear me and they think, well, Dr. Daniels, you know what they think? All he knows is the Bible. Right. Okay. Little did she know my background. Right. So I said to her, let me explain it to you in simple terms. Where do you get your statistics from? And she said, based on reported crime. I said, thank you. All you're telling me is that the reported crimes say that more blacks commit crimes. Mm-hmm. All you're telling me is that more blacks get convicted than whites. That don't mean white people don't commit crimes. Right. That just means they don't get convicted of crimes. Because the, the statistics that she are quoting are based on conviction rates. Right. Because if you're found innocent, they don't say you committed a crime. Right. And we both know that white people don't get convicted at the same rate as black people that's do. That's correct. We know that. We, that's a, now see, that's a fact. Right. We also know that black people have been stereotyped. We also know that the police force historically was used to keep black folk in check. Right. We also know that blacks have been used as free labor in our history, you know, through that incarceration system. So to say that we commit more crimes is a, a, a fallacy, but it's one that's been embedded in the brains of all, many police officers because when they're studying, they get that kind of information from right. people. So therefore, when they go into a black community, a concept is that blacks commit more crime. Now, let's face the reality. I'm not a member of the NRA, right. but I'm a gun owner. However, here's what I know. Statistics suggest that the majority now, the NRA is not black. It's yeah, white. That's correct. Statistics show that there are more white gun owners than black gun owners. Mm-hmm. So why are you afraid of black folk having guns right. and not white folk having guns? Because statistically speaking, you are more apt to pull over a white man with a gun than yeah, a black man with a gun. gun. But if you pull over a white man, you're not afraid. Right. You pull over a black man, you, you watch the way a police officer walks up to the car when they pull a black person open. What he does is he unsnaps the gun and puts his hand on, on the gun as he walks to the car. Once he gets to the car and sees what's going on, then he may take his hand down. And you watch him when he walks to the car for a white person. Mm-hmm. I'm t- I'm t- just watch TV right. and watch these cop shows and watch how they walk to the car and you'll see the difference. Right. It's... I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. And that and that is the biggest thing that we um, 
kind of like what Jay-Z was saying, we got to get to some actions. Like, what are we going to do about it? Right. And, and I'm not talking about black people. I'm talking about America. The system. Has right. What are we going to do about it? And, yeah. and when I understand, um, it's a lot, it's a lot to take in, which is like how, how you eat an elephant. One body right. at a time. So literally just pick one thing and work on it, finish it off, go to the next. Like, you ain't got to, it's so, it, the, the system is so jacked up that mm-hmm. you can literally start at any point and it'll be a great improvement if you fix it. Well, and some things are simple. Like, number one, you can't police yourself. See, that's the bottom line. That, that's, see, there's no, in, in, there is no other department that has that latitude mm-hmm. to police themselves. Other than the police department, yeah, you know how how can you determine if if a shooting was justified when you are policing the person that you supervise? Yeah, that's, that's, that's asinine. It should always be an independent party policing. Number one, the policeman, because just because you're a policeman don't mean you don't lie. It don't mean you don't cheat. Don't right. mean you don't steal. Right. And this idea of people saying, well. Police don't lie. That's the biggest lie I've ever heard. Yeah. Just because you're a policeman, it does not make you inhuman. It does not make you unlike any any other person in this community, in this world. You know, you we, here's the deal. We will assume a lawyer will lie, mm-hmm. but we won't assume a policeman will lie. Right. Why? <laughs> you know. Right. That, that, that defies logic to think that way. It defies logic to assume that all poli- police officers are uh, not biased. As if there are no racist police, police, you know, police officers. Bottom line. So if we don't hold people accountable, then they will keep doing what they're doing. Yeah. That's, that's one thing. The other thing I'll say is this: is that this, when I say there are two Black Americas, a part of it is 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 that the majority see us based on a non-reality. Mm-hmm. You know, they really do. If if you get pulled over, you better believe. You are probably 75% more likely to get shot than I am. Right. Even though I'm, you know, 80% more likely to get shot than my white counterpart. Right. You know, uh, because they're going to see you and they're going to be immediately, I was afraid for my life. Right. You mess around and reach for your eyeglasses, you're going to get shot. Right. I got to reach for my cell phone. (laughs) Right. Okay. So I'm just saying that that dynamic uh, to me is is crazy. So, So then how do you train people? Here's the deal. I was talking with a city councilman uh, two, week, two weeks ago. We were at a function together. And he was telling me uh, how he thought that perhaps the answer would be um, to have a course in, in high schools so that young black men would understand how to um, respond to police and so forth and so on. And I said to him, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. What, why do you mean, Pastor Daniels? I said, there's not a black man that gets paid for being black. Mm-hmm. I don't get paid to be black. So why should you train me how to be black? Right. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Police officers are paid. If anybody's going to get more training, they should get more training because they're getting paid to do a job. So their performance should should be dealt with in that standard. The training needs to take place with them, not with us. Right. I should not have to train a young boy to put his hands on the steering wheel. Right. I should train a police officer to treat him based on who he is. Right. And not who you think he is. Right. Because they don't train white boys. Yeah. No, they don't. You know, another thing too, I think um 
we need the the people who are doing the policing need to stay in the community. Police the community they live in. Mm -hmm. Because you're less apt to do something crazy if you know that is um, Sister Mary's son, Johnny. Right. I see him doing something crazy that he shouldn't be doing. Mm -hmm. When Johnny see you pull up, he knows you. He knows you since you he was a little kid. So mm -hmm. he's not going to do anything crazy back towards you. Right. We all know there's going to be some kids out there that are just going to stray off to veer off to the left. We let's discount those, like move those to the side. I mean, if you're policing your own folks where you live at, mm -hmm. that's number one. You shouldn't be a police officer in Virginia Beach, and but you live in Newport News, mm -hmm. like and you have no idea what's going on in the community. You don't have a relationship with the people because unless you're out there getting groceries, mm -hmm. and the people see you. So when when you pull over that person with that random ticket. Right. And you know, you should they gave them a ticket. You gave them a ticket anyway. Now, when you're at a grocery store and you get that dirty look, you feel it mm -hmm. like, OK, yeah, I need to chill out. Sure. It's it's a system that works it within itself. If it's done right, the right way. Now. I purposely said in the same neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Now, let's go all the way down to black, black and black. Mm -hmm. I've always said this, that. How we should protest is all black men to get together, go down to the police station mm -hmm. and fill out an application. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you want the job or not. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you got a felony or not. Mm -hmm. Guess what they got to do with the application? They have literally got to file all those applications. They got to process them. They got to process them. And it's going to go on their books that all these African-American people. Mm -hmm. So they got to accept somebody or they gonna, what they're going to have on the record. Well, and they will. I, I, right. And I'll say this. Um, I, now, this I happen to know that, I, I don't know if you, well, you're a lot younger than I am, uh, but uh, there was a federal investigation, for example, for the city of Virginia Beach, where they ruled, spent some time ago, that their hiring practices were discriminatory. So they have consciously tried to hire more blacks. But the issue, you know, and I, and I, and I echo a sentiment that I heard on the D.O. Hughley show. If you hire a black who becomes white, you have defeated the purpose. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, so, so you, you, and that's what happens sometimes is that you may hire a, a black person, but that black person understands if I'm going to prog prog progress upward, upwardly, I have to act like my white counterparts act. I have to play that same role with them. And I'm, I'm not saying that they should not follow the letter of the law. They should. But um, they should also understand the latitudes that they have and act accordingly based on those latitudes. And I'll say this, too. It's, 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 it's not just the police because the police don't make the decision to prosecute. Right. You know, yeah. they don't. They're just, they're just, that's the district attorney's office that makes that decision. And it's the judges, you know, and, you know that make those decisions. Think about this for a second now. You take the judge... Uh, the young man, for example, that that uh, was in his room, uh, in his own home, watching TV, ice cream. Right. Police officer comes in and has several warnings that that's not my house. Right. right? But she shoots him anyway, and her her excuse is, "I thought I was at my apartment." Right. Okay. Now let's say it was your apartment. If the man is sitting there and doesn't have a gun in his hand, why are you shooting him? Right. I mean, even if he even if he had broke in. 
Why do you kill someone just because they committed a burglary? See, that doesn't make sense either. But it's the standard thing I feared for my life. Right. Okay. Now, he gets 10 years. The judge has the audacity to come out of the, uh, come off the bench, hug her, and give her a Bible. And her response was, because I felt like she was really sorry for what she had done. Now, I asked myself a simple question. How many black folk have she come off the bench for? Right. And hugged and gave a Bible. Right. And I'd be willing to bet my house that the answer is zero. Yeah. See, that, that's the thing that I'm saying about this, this whole makeup. See, even black folk have been brainwashed once they get those positions, you know, to, 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 to digest that paradigm that black people somehow are evil, that black people somehow uh, are not worthy of, of being treated equal. You know, um, her, that, 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 that white female police officer, what she felt bad about was being convicted. Mm -hmm. Now, you know how we know this? If you really have contrition, you know what you'll say? I'm guilty. See, right. if you really have contrition, you right. take responsibility. You right. say, you know what? I'm guilty. I shouldn't have shot him. I made an honest mistake. You don't go in and plead innocent. You plead guilty. Right. And you just say, can we plead bargain? Can right. you let me plead guilty to, to, to you know, right. manslaughter and let's right. move on. Right. But she said, I'm innocent, which right. says what? I, I, I'm, I'm not upset that I shot him. I'm upset that you convicted me or you got me being persecuted me. So, but how many, I know a whole lot of black folk that committed crime and are genuinely sorry they committed it. Yeah. You know, the, the ironic thing, everything you said is absolutely true. But when you say what you just said mm -hmm. and from the average white person, mm -hmm. they won't get it. And I don't, it's like it's, a, um, it's literally like, it's like the Matrix. Mm -hmm. It's like they're hooked to something, to this belief that nothing bad happens by them and everything is treated so fairly to other people, to everybody in the country. Mm -hmm. They just don't see it. It's like talking like talk to a Trump supporter. They they support him no matter what. And it's like, are you are you in reality right now? Because they've been brainwashed. That's why I say it's, there's, there are two. There's, there's, there's the black community that we, we have been betrayed as, and then that's the real black community. Right. And, you know... What's funny? Another thing, when I was... Um, when I was in... Uh, Paris. It was it was a couple of things that I learned in Paris and Dubai that was really weird. Mm -hmm. The things that I learned in those two uh, foreign places. One foreign place was Dubai. You never saw a police officer. Mm -hmm. Never saw. Them. Asked the asked the guys, "Where's the police at?" They said they're undercover. You'll never know that they're mm -hmm. there. I said, unless you're really looking for them. And yeah. sure enough, once they told me, I could, you could kind of, because right. they walk a little different. You can't tell who security is. Right. Because they're the ones looking around. <laughs> right. But no guns. Right. Okay. Paris. There was plenty of police, but the police officers did not have guns. Mm -hmm. The military did. Mm -hmm. And they was posted up around, you know, around, because it was right after that time the guy went on the stab and That's only because of the terrorists. Right. Uh, when you take that out of the equation, you wouldn't have saw police either. And, that's, and they're talking relaxed. Nobody's, you know, 
Mm-hmm. Now, if you fly in to LaGuardia Airport mm-hmm. in New York and you get off at the International, there mm-hmm. is the military is there mm-hmm. on guard. Mm-hmm. Like, what is it? Everybody around here trying to get today's stuff. You got your hand on the gun. You know, you're in uniform, mm-hmm. showing force. Mm-hmm. And then you're asking me, am I a Muslim when I get off the plane? Mm-hmm. No, you hear me talking. Mm-hmm. I know I'm not a Muslim. I'm and, a, you and, know. And, so, and even if you are, so what? Right. But here's the thing. They're asking the black people that. Right. And I'm like, well, last one, I just came from Dubai. Now, it's brown people. That is mostly brown people that's Muslim, not black. Right. But you want to ask all the black people in line whether or not you're Muslim or not. Mm-hmm. It was, I was just like, you know, I just want to get on my plane. <laughs> and we'll go back. And, and, get, and get home. But, but here's the thing that was real interesting about both those scenarios. When I did talk to black people that was from those areas, they couldn't wait to get to America or they wanted to come to America. I said, why you want to come to America? I said, they're shooting us. Mm-hmm. He said, it's still not as, it said, I just want to come there for the opportunity. Perceived opportunity. Right, for a perceived opportunity. And I was just sitting there like, wow. But over there, now I've heard other people say they encounter racism in certain parts mm-hmm. of Europe. For me, when I went overseas, it was nowhere near the amount of racism that I received here no, in right. the great Commonwealth of Virginia, just walking down the street sometimes. Well, I can tell you this. Now, uh, I've met plenty of blacks from Canada. I've not heard of one say they, they'd rather live in America. Yeah. Not a one. You know, because it, it's true. It's, see, if you think about what blacks from other countries, not all countries, but when they look at us, what they're thinking about is Oprah. See, they're, 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 you know, they're, 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 think, they're thinking about um, um, people like, uh, you know, Shaquille O'Neal. Right. You know, they're thinking about Jay-Z. They're thinking about those people that, that come over there who are, are, who are, who are famous. But because I say that's, they're, 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 that's not the reality of black America. And I'll give you a quick example of what I'm talking about. I go back to that to black judge, for example. OK, the scenario. Now, when you watch court TV and a black person has killed a white person and they call for the family to come up, mm-hmm. here's how the family reacts. I need you to know that you destroyed our whole life. You killed my sister and you killed my mama. You didn't just kill them. You killed me, too. They won't grow up to see this person. They won't grow up to see that person. They won't. They, they lay all that stuff out. OK. Mm-hmm. When this young boy addressed the court for his brother getting killed, he expressed sympathy for the white woman. Yeah. You, you see what I'm saying? This is it. That's what they did. Two black Americas. Even many of us have been brainwashed yeah. into not seeing the reality of who right. we are. Right. When, when the white man killed all the folk down in, in the, at the church in, in, in South Carolina. I mean, I, I ain't got a problem forgiving people. But the first thing they did was go and say, I love you, I forgive you, blah, 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 blah. When the last time we seen a black man kill somebody white mm-hmm. and they come out and that's the first thing they say is, I forgive you, I love you, and I don't even want you to have time. You right. know what I'm saying? I've never heard it. I, I, I'm not, if it has happened, I'm saying, I've never heard yeah, it. I've never heard it either. Right. Now, and so, and he, and he, 
to me, he's the biggest example of being brainwashed by our country because of your surroundings, Kanye West. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's as black as both of us. Okay. Now he married a white woman. That's a fine. You got the right to marry who you want to marry. But you got to be a fool to say to yourself that during slavery time, black folk had a decision. Yeah. But that's his, that's his concept that we had a decision that we were weak for being in slavery. What was the decision our ancestors had? Is either be where you were or be dead. Right. You know, those people struggled. Those people built this country off their backs. Those people fought hard, you know, and they did. It wasn't a decision that they, they didn't just say, well, yeah, I just want to be a slavery. Right. Slave. He acted like slavery was okay. So right. saying, when, when you have a black man that's saying his own ancestors were too weak to get out of slavery. Right. That's brainwashing to the, high, from, to the highest degree. Yeah. It's, we could spend a whole hour and a half talking about Kanye. And I, me personally, I think Kanye's situation is he suffered from a mental illness and the medication. I equate him to, all I'm going to say is look at how Mike Tyson acted when he was fighting mm-hmm. versus how he acts now. Right. <laughs> and if you watched it later in his career, mm-hmm. and you could tell when he was on his meds yeah. and you could tell when he was off his meds. Right. And a whole nother subject, but... They also didn't do him right either by having him off his meds when he was fighting. Sure, I agree. All right, which is you're now is now it's a circus uh, act. You're mm-hmm. treating him like a like the freak show, and that's not right. right. You know, I could speak up for Mike Tyson on on that aspect of things. Let, let me ask you a question. Yeah, I'm just just curious. You know, because you you know we're different generations. When you were growing up, how did you view your prospects as being a young black man? Well, in elementary school, because I grew up in a white neighborhood, I and in, in, outside of Nashville, Tennessee, mm-hmm. and Nashville is quite liberal, mm-hmm. so I didn't really see color, mm-hmm. so to speak, until somebody else black came to the school. Mm-hmm. Then it was somebody would say, "Well, it's two of y'all," mm-hmm. you know. I was like, "Okay, it's, I, okay, it's black person too," but I'm like, "Well, my friends is white. I'm not thinking nothing." And as I moved, I didn't really grasp it until I moved to an all, we moved to Kentucky and moved to all black school. Mm-hmm. And then the way I talked, the way I acted, mm-hmm. I got called Uncle Tom. I was like, where is this coming from? Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, you know, I'm with y'all. Mm-hmm. And, but then I realized that, yeah, we are treated a lot different because it was also, the, even though we was a majority, it was white people in the school, mm-hmm. but the white people in school had money. Mm-hmm. And but my dad also was well off, you know. Sure. I was well off as well, mm-hmm. so I was trying to be friends with them. It's like, no, you can't go over there and be friends with them. It's like, why not? Mm-hmm. So I went from yeah, integrated, great to mm-hmm. no, that's not the right thing. And everywhere I moved, I you know, moved from Kentucky to Arkansas. Mm-hmm. So I saw both sides of the fence, and the gradual, you know, the gradual all the mm-hmm. way even through college you know, from Oklahoma to Southern, seeing the differences. But I will say this, not a dance. The difference that I saw mm-hmm. was in the mentality of black people. That, that, and that's, that's the question I'm asking you. That's, that's the question I'm asking you. So what, what, what did you see different? What I saw different was 
white people think of what can I have mm-hmm. and black people think of what can I get? Like what, is the, what am I going to get from them? Where white people can literally can literally grow up thinking when you hear the words, you could be anything you want to be. Mm-hmm. For white people, they truly believe it and the doors is open for them for whatever they want to do. Mm-hmm. Where with black people, it was like, oh, I can't do that. It's I can't, I can't, I can't. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, yeah, you can. But this is me as a little kid thinking, not knowing about these the, the glass ceiling that's put on black mm-hmm. folks. I'm living as a like basically as a white person with the same type of belief system. And it's really that lid that we put on ourselves. And then it's well, then, either we put it on ourselves or has society put it on us. Society has put it on us and it's put it in our brain from day one. Because um, think about who teaches us. Yeah. Are most black. teachers black or white. White. Yeah. Most, it, most, it, most, most politicians black or white. Definitely white. Right. Even when we go to college, most professors black or white. <laughs> white. Right. Here's why, here's why I threw it out at you. And what you said, what you said was right. Boom. I, I mean, I, I expected you to say that, but, but I, and I think that's one of the things that, you know, like permeates my, my brain and, 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 and it engenders a, a sense of hopelessness at times. Okay. Young black boys, if you grew up in a black community, you are taught to survive, mm-hmm. not to succeed. Right. And that's a totally different dynamic. Uh, yes, it's completely different. It's a totally different dynamic. And, and so you, you, you don't just get over that overnight. You know, and it's the same thing. If I teach you to put your hands like this on a steering wheel, what I'm really teaching you to do is survive. Right. I'm teaching you to succeed. And that's a whole different dynamic. Think about how black kids view sports for the most part. I mean, you were different, like you said. You you know, you were upper middle class. Right. But what is your impression of most of the guys that were playing football with you? How what what was they why, why were they playing football? Right. They get out of what the situation they was in. Right, yeah. See, right. see their thing was what? Football is my way out. Right. <laughs> you know, for you, football wasn't your way out. You right. just did it because you like playing football. football. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, you knew if you if you didn't go to the pros, you still knew, you know what? I'm gonna still be upper middle class. Right, right. But for the average young black guy, if they don't make it through, right, they're going right back to poverty. Right. You know, because for us it's about survival. For them, it's not about survival. Yeah. And 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 I think that when you're because of how and it's not something that that we put in our heads, it's it's the reality. Of where we come from and where our life, where, you know, it's just the reality. Yeah, you know that that's what you have to teach your child is how to survive, especially now. I mean, if 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 your son was sixteen right now, I bet you you'd be teaching your son how to yeah. not get shot by a policeman. Right, right, yeah. So, but but see, the white family's not—they don't have to do that. <coughs> yeah, and it's really a shame that you even got to do that. And now, how I never got to talk. Mm-hmm. But what I got from it was what my white friends did, mm-hmm. and I did what they did. Mm-hmm. I talked. Now, if there was ever one thing that I could tell somebody black to stop doing, 
is stop immediately being agitated when you get pulled over. This is what I do every time I get pulled over. How can I help you? I'm completely calm. I'm talking to mm-hmm. a person. Mm-hmm. So when I remove the uniform from them, I'm mm-hmm. talking to a person. I take the mm-hmm. fear for myself out mm-hmm. and I'm talking to a person. It was one time I did this as a North Carolina, I got pulled over by a state trooper. Mm-hmm. And I was clearly speeding. You know, I was, sure. I, well, I was speeding. Mm-hmm. So the guy was like, well, you got to show up at court. I said, well, I said, uh, well, I don't live right here. You know, could I just pay the ticket? And he said, no, you go. To, he's being black, he's black cop. Mm-hmm. Like, you're being nasty with me. So he won't be in black. So he was being what I said earlier. Right. Just right. Because you're a black cop. But here's, what's, here's what black. was crazy. I had to defuse him. I said, excuse me, sir. I don't live around here. Mm-hmm. Where is the courthouse at so I can know my general bearings if I got to come back here? He immediately, his whole demeanor changed. Mm-hmm. He relaxed. Oh, okay. Let me show you where you go around here. I was like, well, where but, was but should you have to do that? That's no, my point. No, no. See, that's my point. <laughs> you don't get paid to be a citizen. Right. That's the point I'm making. You don't get paid to be a citizen. He gets paid. Yeah. And he's paid by you. So if he's paid by you, shouldn't he treat you with respect? Yes. And so, it, so just because I'm black, should I have to talk to him differently than a white person talk to him? No. I I agree. Now all I'm saying is when all I'm saying is I treat the person I talk to the person in that uniform. No, I'm not saying I'm not saying what you're saying doesn't work. Right. I'm agreeing with you. It does work. I'm saying it's sad that you got to do that. that. We have to teach our children how to survive. Yeah. That's not what they teach their children to do. Their children don't survive. Their children thrive. What's funny is. <laughs> White people talk pure trash to the police. That's my point. They talk <laughs> junk. Right. Why you pull me? Right. Why I got to get out the car? Right. Why you know they, all this kind of stuff? The average black person don't just come off boom. Number one, we always we well, soon the lights go on. We nervous. Right. We, we were nervous anyway. Right. Then you pull us over. We ain't talking junk. We we just that ain't our normal protocol. Remember the, remember the young man. And I don't remember his name, but his girlfriend was in the car and she had it on her phone mm-hmm. when he and, he and the policeman shot him. Right. And he told the policeman, I got a gun. Right. I tell you, I got a gun. That right there should tell you right there what? I ain't getting ready to shoot. I'm not trying to shoot you because I told you I had a gun. Right. And he shot him and killed him anyway. Right. And the girl in the car screaming, why'd you kill him? Why'd you kill him? See, I guess what my point is that why should we have to? Cause she tried, he tried to defuse it. He was calm. Right. She tried to defuse it, and he's still dead today. Right. He did nothing wrong. This woman that got shot in her home did nothing wrong. Right. The man said, "Put your hands up." She looked out the window. Put your hands up. Boom. He didn't give her a chance to do anything. He just right. killed him. I've been pulled by both white and black, and I can tell you, <laughs> I've had different experiences with you know both both times. I've been pulled by a white man that uh, act like I wasn't um, intelligent enough to know anything. And he pulled me from, I don't know if you've been pulled just for what we call DWB. Uh, yeah, I have. Okay. Right. Now, I've been pulled for D, I've been pulled for D, for those who don't know, I'm sure you all, you all know, driving <laughs> while black, right? Right. I've been pulled for driving while black. And I got to tell you, when you get pulled for driving, driving while black, their expectation of you is not to ask why you pulled me. Yeah. 
but I have a right. That's the thing. I have a constitutional right. Why should I give up my civil rights just because you're a policeman? Right. I have a right to say to you, excuse me, sir, why did you pull me over? Right. What have I done? You got a tail light out. How am I going to know I got a tail light out unless you tell me? Right. See, you're supposed to let me know. I got a culture of rights. No, excuse me, sir. I pulled you because of X, Y, Z. And then if you tell me that up front, now we calm. But that should be your job, not my job. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Yeah. Well, so yeah. we didn't. Um, we didn't solve it. We, we didn't solve the problem. But we do have some solutions right. yeah. that's out there that, you know, hopefully people can can do. But you know what, uh, Pastor Daniels, at this point, I will say a prayer for one miracle. For this to turn around, sure. it would it needs an act of God at this. I feel like at this point, it needs an act of God to be able to pull it to turn the whole thing around to where it like people's minds can just wake up and say, Oh, you know what? Whoa, we didn't like okay, we get it. Yeah. You know, we get it now. And I don't know, maybe he'll come to maybe he'll tell us in the vision that we need to uh, get like Moses and tell everybody to go to Atlanta. <laughs> well, everybody seems to be going anyway. I agree. And, <laughs> and, and I'll say this. I, I am in prayer for the family in, in, in you know, um, uh, of that young woman that got killed. I think all of us should be in prayer for that family. And, but I'm also in prayer for that police chief as well, because I understand he doesn't understand. Right. I, I, I understand that. So I'm, I'm praying for him and for the entire police force that they will somehow use this as a learning learning tool so they can become better aware. But I'm also praying that uh, my local police chiefs will 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 take, use that as a learning experience and 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 try to do more than just say we should understand them, but really seek to understand us. And when they say they're going to have community policing, have true community policing where you get to know the community. Right. Not that you're just walking around, but you get to know the community, that you go and knock on the door of the local, you know, whether it be a synagogue or, right. or whether it be, you know, whether a church, talk to the people that are in there, talk to the pastor, go to the school that's in that community, Talk right. to the children, you right. know, get to like, as you said earlier, I mean, your point was just right on, right on, you know, get the know the community. Even if I can't, you know, and I get it. I can't make you live in the community. You know, I understand that because if I got a, you know, a nice home in a nice suburb, I might not want to live in, you know, right. in that neighborhood. But you can require my performance to for me to become familiar with the neighborhood so they know me and I know them. And it's more than just. You know, I'm walking around scared all the time. Right. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Dr. Daniels. And thank you all for listening. This is your C.B. Baker. Till next time.